Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. I'm Julia. And I'm Becca. We're best friends and lifelong Star Wars fans, and this is a Star Wars The Bad Batch fan cast. This time we're reviewing episode two, Cut and Run. This review is meant to be spoiler-free, so join us after you've watched the episode. So if you like story... And you like Star Wars... Then stick around. Episode 2, Cut and Run, is the Batch's first foray off-world with Omega, and they seek refuge with an old friend, Cut Laquain, a clone deserter who has settled down with his wife, Sue, and their children on Seleucami. The Batch gets more context for the changing world, seeing the Empire's growing power, while Hunter is challenged by his new role in caring for Omega. Cut helps him balance his new identity as caretaker with his practice one as a military leader. All right, let's jump into some plot talk. Let's talk about how these plots, uh, what, what plots we see unfolding yeah. in episode two. So I can quickly go over. Yeah, why don't we go over? Yeah. Um, so as context. as we've sort of uh, put it out, I almost said plotted it out. As we've put it out, um, the A plot is sort of, in general, the batch uh, becoming accustomed to and fitting in uh, the world as it's changing. Uh, the B plot has a lot to do with Crosshair and his relationship with the batch, how that changes. And then the C plot would be sort of the Empire's antics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, B plot is sort of setting him, uh, Crosshair, up as what we're going to call a secondary villain. Yeah. I, I think that's a good call. Mm-hmm. But that being said, uh, he is extremely absent from this mm-hmm. episode, which I think is interesting. Um, I, I think it's a, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I think it makes for a, a much more balanced story because we got so much of him in the last episode. I mean, we got a lot of all of them, but we it's, it's nice to leave off on like that ominous him watching them leave Camino yeah. into now, you know, they're, they're kind of, adjusting to life without him a bit yeah it is discussing their new problems you know without him kind of yeah as we've talked about previously it's it's interesting to start seeing these things uh, these plot choices through the lens of like design everything is designed for a purpose Mm -hmm. uh, especially in animation as we've talked about uh even and i love talking about this design by omission right so like the fact that we have no crosshair at all in this episode i think is a really interesting choice to I think, like you said, like it it kind of builds like this rift again between them, right? Mm -hmm. And it is kind of like, wow, we're really, even us, the viewer, is lost without Crosshair. Like we get to see a world without him. Um, And it it is just a choice. I think also like Crosshair is kind of doing, probably doing things, you know, that we, 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 the viewer, don't want to be privy to at this point. Yeah, it's obviously an important story point that we don't see him interacting with the empire we just sort of understand that he that's who his allegiance is to now i think that helps build him because that helps build him as a as a secondary villain a strong secondary villain because if we saw a lot of his background with the empire i think there would be more uh places to sympathize with him and he would become less of a villain yeah and uh this happens now and again you know through the series going forward i do really like this concept of like design by omission like we're Mm -hmm. creating story even in the places where there are like voids with these characters it's important what we're telling you and it's also important what What we're we're not telling you leaving out yeah Yeah. um that being said so like sans the b plot right Mm -hmm. what we're left with in this episode which is you know it's it's a 
a short little sweet episode, but it it does establish really well like the the a plot. So like you know the batches. Uh, continued interactions with each other and then also a little bit of like what the empire is up to Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think they do those in really um i almost just said swell ways (laughs) really swell ways (laughs) it's a good adjective it is um so i think that being said do you want to just jump into story points and then we can talk more about that as we go yeah we will talk about how the uh the plots are unfolding within these story beats um do you want to handle this first little this first little bit uh on the marauder um yeah so the episode starts on the marauder with hunter and echo uh, what looking at (laughs) omega who's like passed out with wrecker uh just like i like the line that says like it's it's finally she's finally exhausted herself looking at every corner of the ship i just the way that they characterize her is so so good she's so she's so charming and i think like exactly in, in um I don't know, you know, like we talk about Clone Wars a lot. It, previously, we've had sort of our child character be Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, we've grown up with her. She's changed a lot. But I love that like those are two, su- they're such different characters. Oh, yeah. And Omega has such like a, a sweetness to her mm-hmm. that like, I think they very off the bat, like are very fond of. I, I do like the comparison between her and Ahsoka because they, I mean, they are both sweet characters, yep. but like, in very different ways. Because uh, Ahsoka was working side by side with Anakin, she had to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of zest to her to handle him. Just even like um, character wise, like yeah, they needed I, to be uh, compliments to each other. I mean, other. even in the the movie where we first hear the Clone Wars movie, she's she's he refers to her as Snips almost off the bat, just because she's so. I love that. Yeah, but um, no, yeah, Omega is sweet, but in a completely different way. You see more childlike wonder. You see more just like she's a younger child yeah um but anyway uh back to the plot here hunter and echo have this conversation in which i think echo says to hunter she's a child what are we going to do with her like and and that sets up kind of like the the plot of this episode which is really establishing their relationships and their sort of they are in uncharted waters with having a child aboard. I mean, I, I like the comparison with, um, because you see her pass out with, with Wrecker, who is the most childlike of I, the I batch. I would say, in a sort of an endearing way. Yeah, but there's a clear distinction between, like, he's not a child, though. He is still a soldier, and they are soldiers, and that's all they've ever known, including Echo. I mean, yeah, uh, all of them. So there's this huge divide between that, and I think... It's really on Hunter's shoulders. Like it's because it's Echo asking Hunter, "What what are we gonna do?" Yeah, you know, he doesn't say something along the lines of like, "Well, we we need to." He doesn't tell Hunter what they need to do or whatever. He it's it's very much setting up this plot of Hunter coming to grips with his new yeah. role. And I do like that, and and we can touch on this like throughout the episode. But like, I, I like that um, we are we are getting sort of. Uh, dashes of characterization for Echo more so than we ever got in like the Clone Wars season seven episodes because like we we really didn't get that much of him uh, he was mostly like not doing well and then he's like I'm gonna go with these guys because like I'm a fucking weirdo now um it's either stay here in this prison or leave with these people <laughs> and then he like chooses to leave the I guess his former post but yeah. like yeah it's nice that we get to see him being like I don't know he's almost like the control group for the batch in a way because like he's also as I said, a fucking weirdo, but like, you know, he's still a reg and he still has that sort of like in his bones and he's really like honorable. I I like that we get to see him in this context and like, we're sort of like adding another character into the sort of, if you will, batch of characters that we have Mm -hmm. been 
uh, detailing in this episode. It's varied enough with the uh, addition of Echo and the um, omission of Crosshair now where yeah. it seems more balanced yeah. in a really good way. And like when we talk about characters, we can get more into that. But mm-hmm. um, okay, I, I really love the next scene. I love, um, there's a lot of like little design details I like in this first scene on the Marauder and then mm-hmm. uh, immediately when they land on Seleucami. But the I, lighting I can, is just The lighting beautiful. is incredible. The fact that they have animated in dust particles when the door opens uh it it just becomes really lifelike in the details and i I really appreciate that and i I can talk more about world building stuff later because i think they do a lot a lot with a little in this episode um and i think it's just like another one of those things that proves this show to be really a, a triumph of animation and storytelling um but this this little scene with Omega, uh, mm-hmm. when we were watching it earlier, I noted that like, <laughs> I love that they included this and made such note of her stepping onto the ship for the first time, like seeing grass and seeing dirt and like being so amazed by it. Like, I think that's another thing that like we see Omega as this like childish wonder. And like we didn't really see any of this with Ahsoka. I think tonally this show is obviously so different from Clone Wars mm-hmm. because obviously it's not a wartime thing anymore obviously but like now we're letting like a child be a child and like uh i don't know i feel like there's something we get as the viewer to like see someone be so like astounded and overcome with like the beauty of something that she's never seen before and it becomes such like a precious moment and i'm really glad that they didn't like just like write over it like oh she steps out of the ship and it's just like you know it's like any other scene we've seen you know there's no one really makes note of it or it's something that's really just like a small moment for her Mm -hmm. but I love that like the batch turns around and like they answer her question and like I I don't know like I love that they took the time in a short episode to like make note of how important this is to her Mm -hmm. um I feel like the first time I was watching this uh, and like the subsequent times I watched it with you, <laughs> I always like refer to this as this like tangled scene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is all yeah, I think about. Yeah, when every I watch time this. where she just like leaves her tower and then she's like, "Oh my god, grass!" Like yeah. it's the same thing. And I think it's so sweet that we have that for Omega. And like it's just, it it's makes this show tonally so nice. <laughs> it is. Uh, I no, I really like the uh, what you said about um, the batch sort of in like enjoying this with her in a way. Yeah. Uh, they aren't looking at her like, what the hell are you doing? They're they're not like bitter about it. They're kind of there's no belittling. No, happening. they're a little bit like, what do we do with this? But it's it's <laughs> it's not. Um, they're not. Yeah, they're not. Um, patronizing to her. They're yeah. not like they answer her questions. Yeah, it's what is this? That would be dirt. <laughs> it's just very cute. <laughs> it is. I feel like it's just like I love what we're establishing in such little ways already in this show in the second episode at the top of the second episode mm-hmm. like it's just it, it just fe- it fills me with sort of the warm fuzzy feelings and it's like a show about um soldiers ex-soldiers mm-hmm. um i think we can also talk about uh going forward from that you know obviously they make it to cut and sue's farm mm-hmm. uh obviously i mean we kind of spoke about this in our sort of intro but like uh we've seen cut laquane before yeah. he is in episode it's season two episode 10 of clone wars it's called the deserter um uh, he is just a clone deserter he's a guy um (laughs) but uh so it's fun to see a recurring character like that one of the most favorite things that i have i like about clone wars is that it they bring back characters a lot and i I just a recurring character is so good i mean you know you got hondo i think as soon as i clocked hondo i was like he's gonna be recurring yeah and then he was in like all over clone wars and all over rebels 
Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in Bad Batch at some point. At some point. I yeah. don't know how long he's going to be around, be around <laughs> for. Well, no. no, no, no. He's in Rebels, so he's so still he, going to be around. Yeah, yeah, he's older in Rebels. But anyway, uh, no, I do love that they brought back uh, Cut Laquane. I think it brings a... Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, like the, all it's of the quaint, other, quaint, if you will, <laughs> it's quaint. It's something familiar. It 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 builds on the uh, Bad Batch's history that we don't necessarily get to see um, because we've only seen them in you know a few episodes of Clone Wars, and then now their their own show, which is not about their lives as soldiers. Um, but we get to see that like somehow they've made contact with this guy, and yeah. it just it further establishes them as unusual for sure, um, and sort of you know they're just kind of looking for friends everywhere essentially like I, I i don't know how they met cut it's i i until you said that just now i guess <laughs> i didn't really clock that as like it is a really interesting storytelling thing to just like throw out there in a line that like they've already met him before it's not like they got his contact from rex who we know already knows him yeah because like, previously we've only we've seen them be quite isolated i mean yeah. they kind of do they do missions and then they come back to camino and that's like it. it's it's almost kind of wild that they know this guy yeah uh, but again i like that they're like establishing history in the background mm-hmm. and like it feels it feels good it feels fleshed out yes um so an interesting conversation happens when they get to cut in sue's farm and that is that rex has just been through the farm oh, yeah. the day previous yeah and he was talking about um some kind of programming yeah they do i i like we were talking about this obviously when we were watching the episode but i i do like that they're kind of establishing they're giving us something they're dropping a breadcrumb right mm-hmm. they're giving us something to look forward to they're um confirming something we've already heard about because we've already ki- kind of heard about the inhibitor trips obviously with i believe nala say right in the first episode yeah and we get that scene with crosshair where they're like oh enhance his we'll enhance yeah his exactly trip. um so I-, I like that i i remember watching this episode the first time and just being like oh my god rex was here a day before yeah that I'm annoyed this <laughs> mass this last time that we like oh, i it. love rex though where is he i want him yeah it it, it starts this sort of like oh and another recurring character yeah. like when are we gonna an absolute like, favorite like when are we gonna see him right way. again like you said it is dropping breadcrumbs in in just an incredibly well-paced way yeah it i i will i will say and i'm sure we're gonna talk about this time and time again in this show but like bad batch does a really incredible thing when it comes to setup and payoff because everything feels um I, I don't know, consistent and, and good. And it's nice to go back and watch these things and realize like really, really clever ways, easy ways, simple ways where they've dropped clues and how those end up all connecting. Like, I really do feel like. I think it is a mark of a good story where yeah. you can watch it and everything seems to fall into place. And it's, uh, it, it is shocking when it is appropriate to be shocking. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh, like, how did I miss that the first time? Yeah, of course, they, they totally like foreshadow that it's just like really good use of literary devices absolutely um it, it's just i just love this show and i just <laughs> I, I think uh in the first maybe in the first episode but like i i've had this conversation with you about um filler right mm-hmm. and like again why are these pieces in the place they are why are they here uh, how are they designed to be supportive of the story? And I feel like every time I go through this show, I always think in the back of my head about like the concept of filler episodes, pretty much because Clone Wars is very rife with them. Well, and also I feel like when this show came out, a lot I heard, I read a lot of reviews that were were complaining about the, fillers that oh most of this season is filler, and I'm yeah. like, 
I think there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily related to the main plot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're filler. They fill out the world and they further characterization. So yeah, to that point, Mm -hmm. right? I I think it's interesting that the second episode of the show, after we had like a 75 minute, very fast paced, Mm -hmm. like setup-y episode that felt very like epic and like Mm -hmm. surmounting something. Is that the word I can use? I don't really think so. Okay. I don't know. You're the word, the words lady. God, what was I even talking about? Um, no, it's okay. Oh, filler, right? So we yeah. so we created this really high stakes episode and then we immediately go to something which I feel like someone could say was filler. Like I always think about that in my, the back of my head. I feel like someone out there is is probably feeling like this episode where they're just on Seleucami and they're just like- It wasn't as high octane as I wanted yeah, it Yeah, that be. garbage. But like, again- I mean, all this in sort of the analysis that we're supposed to be doing, like, it's so sweet to see these plot breadcrumbs, like, in these episodes being dropped because, like, it it really makes an episode, which you could argue is filler, I suppose, as, like, so important. Like, Mm -hmm. I love those little sneaky ways where it's, like, every step of the way is important. I think because they have these A plot, B plot, B plot, C plot, thing going on they're they're very intertwined right i mean like crosshair being set up as a secondary villain is intertwined with these chips which is intertwined with the empire growing as a force um which is obviously inhibiting the bad batch from surviving in the world they're kind of outlaws now so they do a really good job of intertwining all of that yeah absolutely anyway is there anything else we wanted to say about this conversation about or this subject being brought up of like inhibitor chips because it's quite short it is. Like, they it don't is, say that much about it's it. It's really just, like, Omega being like, yes, of course, you must be talking about the inhibitor chips. And Hunter being like, um, Tech, why didn't you tell us about that? And Tech is like, I assumed you knew. He's like, like I thought it was obvious. How else would they be doing it? <laughs> I do, again, Which I, I love. It's very good characterization for I Tech. I was going to yeah. say, they do a lot with a little, which, again, I think is such a, a mark of a great show because, like, we've characterized Tech, we've characterized Omega as, like, knowing more then like she's letting on Mm -hmm. she's a smart person right Mm -hmm. uh and then also we're dropping these plot breadcrumbs um but yeah it's an incredibly um i don't know if pithy is the right word um it's really to the the point are you working for the word oh point yeah what pithy is is correct okay i was was gonna say were you looking for the word poignant but that's not quite uh the medium of those (laughs) in between pithy and poignant you know lies the word that i don't know Um, um okay so then the next thing is more of uh speaking to the the main plot of this particular episode which is hunter's realization of oh no oh god i have a daughter i'm a dad now um and it's this conversation between hunter and cut about parenting in which cut is just like ah children it's it's hard work yeah i love the like <laughs> essentially you thought being a soldier was hard being a parent it's so harder. Much harder yeah <laughs> Is there anything? I don't remember quite a lot of their conversation there. Other I, than I think the main gist of that conversation is just, again, setting up what I would say is the main arc, the main vibe of a story in this episode, which is like, Hunter, you kind of have to come to grips with like your place in Omega's life. I think that this is um, doing two things. Well, it's first of all, it's the first time we've seen Hunter interacting with um, another person who is talking about Omega favorably, because previously it was a lot of crosshair just being, you know, kids aren't really your specialty. It's a great point. We're soldiers. We're not, we're not, you know, supposed to be nurturing. We see Cut being a very positive influence with him and being, you know. Never like you can't do it. Very no, like, just like this is where you are. He so you're seems very do it. happy for him. He seems very like, 
you know, giving him friendly advice. It's uh, it's a good contrast from what we see in the previous episode, where we've seen Hunter be. I mean, he's kind to Omega. He obviously like want he they go back to get her. They obviously don't want to abandon her. He he has some a bit of nurturing. Now we're jumping into how how do you be nurturing? How does this work? Yeah, and I I have this down in my notes, but we can you know bring it up now and again. I really like that. Um, in, in this story, we're not, we're realizing very, very quickly in these little conversations that, like, the gist of Hunter's character arc is not, like, I'm a bad, angry dude who's got to figure out how to parent a little kid. Like, I feel like that's a very, like, movie trope thing where it's, yeah, like, Yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't those... seen Logan, but it seems very Logan. Yeah, Logan, Logan is a good movie, but it... it... But is that sort of the gist of his I story? guess. Like, I feel like, I I feel like there are maybe, I'm movie, specifically so. thinking about, I don't know why, like vague movies that came out in like the, the early to late 2000s that were very just like, this guy's a spy and now he has to take care of a kid or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of like ma'am, ma'am, <laughs> man, <laughs> family friendly films. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we really quickly established his story not to be that. And instead it's one where it's like, he doesn't have to decide, except in this episode, whether or not he wants to be a parent. People are just accepting of that concept that this is like a familial relationship and we're going headfirst into it. I think it's less of a, yeah, him learning how to, how to be nurturing and more of him uh, accepting that <laughs> yeah, I was part say, of him. Kind of accepting the fact. Moving away from I am a war machine to... Uh, I I can be nurturing and yeah, yeah it's our it's our fantastic little a plot there of like mm-hmm. I love I love seeing the way that these people are trying to make themselves fit in this world that they've never mm-hmm. really been a part of. Uh, I want to jump past the next scene and just talk about the um, this is sort of piggybacking off of the conversation that Hunter and Cut have about parenting, but the the first sort of peril that we see Omega get into with this um, she's playing with shia and jack and she goes past the fence and a nexu comes out and you know threatens her but i i like this moment so much uh vis-a-vis what we were talking about with hunter with his story arc uh, with his personal arc because he he yells at her and he's not doing it in a um like he's, oh my god how could you be so stupid but it's it is like he would talk to another one of his crewmates yeah. like uh, he would talk to a, a tech or wrecker um, like, what are you doing? Um, and it does come across as like, oh, he was worried, but like, you know, then you have Cut being like, that's not like she's a child. She's not yeah, a soldier. I, I do really like that. Uh, just thinking about this, like, I do really like that Hunter does that, and he doesn't get like a do over. Mm-hmm. Like, we do get to see like a stake in that. We get to see a a drawback from that sort of attitude, which he really, really quickly can like learn from, right? Yeah. Because like instead of going to him, Omega goes to Cut, right, and to for comfort. Um, and yeah. I, I really like that we we get to see that, and we get him, we see him getting to see that, right, mm-hmm. and like getting that reaction as well. Yeah, uh, we can back up to the previous yeah i was gonna say man do i have a lot of notes but i, I mean i just wanted to connect those two stories absolutely are, and yeah. i think uh you know flowing into the next thing like uh, i really just want to talk about the world building in this so so it's so much so um so we can kind of bubble some things together but like right so omega goes back to the ship uh meanwhile tech and well, Echo. she's uh, uh sorry we're yeah so we're in when uh hunter and and um cut go into the Yes. Town to try to get passage off world. Oh, that's right. 
Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's the plot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the plot. I was like, I don't remember how these things connect. I don't know why they go into town the first time. Mm-hmm. We can cut this. Um, it's, it's where they figure out that the Empire is starting to... We, we get to see at firsthand a, a little bit of the Empire showing their um, power. The um, yeah, where they learn about the chain codes and the fact yeah. that you have to be identified by the Empire to yeah, do so, anything. So world building. Um, <laughs> one of my absolute favorite things to, to talk about in any... Uh, fandom in any IP, right? Um, I think they just do it really well in this show, and I think it is goes hand in hand with the fact that uh, the main plot of this season of this show is them trying to fit into the world. So, like, mm-hmm. obviously, we get to see the world, but like, once again, it's so refreshing to see the the sort of post Clone Wars era, even though the 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 universe is still very much in flux because of the Empire taking over. Mm-hmm. But it's so nice to see, like, again, it's such a triumph of animation and like quality of show that we get to see just like a town like i'm i'm so excited by the concept of like this is a town that people live in and Mm -hmm. it looks like a town that people live in yeah it's not some remote village like those lemur people yeah in in the jedi crash episode i think it is (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's nice to see like just like established towns it's so nice to see them too in in this sort of like clone wars grown-up design style and like that where we just again we talked about it previously but the lighting and the the details that we see in the background of things are so matured it is and like i can talk a, a lot about this later i will i will try to keep it <laughs> we'll to like plot related things we'll save that for julia's design corner oh julia's design corner where i get to talk about a lot of really really specific but, stuff l- yeah let's talk about one of the things that we both freaked out about when we oh, saw yes. this uh talking the f- about the the, the, the fucking Seeing the little things um, <laughs> become a little more painted with a with a, a more detailed brush, but the, the tow, tow truck. truck. <laughs> so the tow truck, because um, they walk in and they, they're talking about how the uh, they walk into the town. They talk about they're talking about how the the empire is impounding. impounding vehicles that they don't recognize, and you see this. They're essentially like taking people's property to to use them as leverage. And yeah, like, they're also just like if it's not of everything. Yeah, it's not if it's not registered with us, then we need to register. And if you're not going to register it, uh, you don't you, get it. It gets it goes yeah. away. If you want your shit back, <laughs> register. <laughs> but we see this truck uh, towing a spaceship a whole tow ship. truck. We see a spaceship tow truck, which like of course that's like completely something that would exist in this world. Yeah, because I, if spaceships are like cars, then yeah. Yeah, they, they you're gonna to need a way to tow towed. Them. Mm-hmm. Like I, the first time we watched this together, we both flipped <laughs> our shit at the tow truck because, again, like it's so fascinating if you follow that line of logic. Okay, that means that there is someone who drives the spaceship tow truck. There's someone whose nine to five job is driving a fucking tow truck in Star Wars. Like I want to know about that person. Like it becomes this sort of like un- little part of an unfolding world that m- feels very real suddenly. It's comparable to me finding out that they used to have um, like fast food stands in in Rome. Like, wait, I'm what? A- yeah, you didn't know about this. <laughs> no, well, I guess they would be like serving food on the. Yeah, yeah that so makes sense. I have to. I know. I found. I've seen. I have pictures of them somewhere, but they they found like ru- ruins of like, um, th- like a counter with like illustrations of like fish and oh chicken my God. and things like a like, menu. Yeah, like a menu. Like this is what this is. What do you want? Like there's there's fucking fast food in in Rome, and you're like. That makes complete sense. I mean, it was a city. It was a huge People city. Needed like cheap, it was a quick food. Yeah. Cheap, quick food. It was a huge city. Like so many. It was a, com- a incredibly urban area. 
it totally makes sense like i don't know it it was it was that moment for me in this episode seeing this tow truck which like oh of course there's tow trucks like how would they these little intimate details yeah are so good i feel like now and again like in rebels right we see people like at at stands or like even in you know most eisley and most esba we've seen we've seen stuff like that and we also see that in this episode but I, I think there's something that that weirdly makes the world feel so lived in and so real of mm-hmm. seeing and assuming that there is someone out here with a fucking nine to five job. It really hammers home the point that we're not talking about the grand sort of, you know, Jedi versus Emperor Palpatine, dark side versus light side. We're talking about these everyday people and their stories and, you know focusing less on the the grandiosity of the jedi which is fun in its place but there's just something i mean star wars is such a big world now right there's so many properties um it's a huge world and seeing these little details being worked into shows is so gratifying and so uh it it just it expands the world in a way that i don't think most people really think about until they see it yeah and i think um I don't know, like, Clone Wars was really able to marry this concept of, like, the the big, giant, like, everything is a big fucking deal versus, like, the the little stories of, like, you know, the lemur folk in the village or whatever. Yeah. And, like, you know, all these little places. Like, it had a way of doing both, which I think, you know, it worked most of the time. But I think, again, what's nice and about Bad Batch, you know, mixing up the formula is that we are now getting to see that all the time. And not only are we getting to see it, it's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, even just going through, right? So they, they walk into this town and like the world building we do, as we've talked about, is is great. I think it's, you know, we see we see so much and we get to learn so much and so little. And in that, you know, we get connected back to like our C plot of like what the Empire is up mm-hmm. to, right? Um, so we see that with the tow truck, the yeah impounding vehicles beautiful tow truck the incredible beautiful <laughs> and then <laughs> tow truck my beloved <laughs> tow truck my beloved um we also see it in the hologram of yes. his name admiral is admiral rampart, rampart but uh, charles i, it's I charles need everyone to Red know Dead. yeah it's voiced by the same voice it <laughs> 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 he is voiced by the same voice actor as charles smith from red dead which is red dead 2 I'm sorry, Red Dead 2, the good Red Dead. The good, the good, the bad, and the Red Dead. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's why we refer to him so as Charles. So we just anyway. refer to him as Charles. I would love if his name ended up being like Admiral Charles Rampart. It, to me, it's it Charles is. Rampart. He doesn't have a canon first name. No, he so doesn't. To me, so it's, it's Charles Admiral Rampart. Charles Rampart. Uh, so that's Charles. We get introduced to this Admiral who is not... Um, sorry, my dog. <laughs> anyway, we get introduced to, very briefly to admiral rampart in this hologram where he's just giving basic information about empire oh i totally forgot i didn't even write this down mm-hmm. but i just remembered to that point mm-hmm. sorry to, to continue yeah uh i love that we get to see what is effectively propaganda oh for uh, sure that is like maybe one of the most exciting things to me as someone who like loves looking at uh, old posters and like i do graphic design and i love looking at them like propaganda is such an interesting like almost art form mm-hmm. uh and i love again we get to see like a slice of life in this world and so we get to see charles at rampart god i just have to say both of them i guess um it, it's like a it's another breadcrumb for another character but we get to see again how the world is being built out this propaganda with admiral rampart is so heavy-handed like yeah I think previously we've just seen it in like posters, which are, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying they're not, they're not heavy handed in their design and things. Like, obviously, it's, 
well, it is, but they they are by default background images, right? Yeah. They're I, not shoved in your face as like, with, welcome to the Empire, this is the Empire, and you need to do this. Even with, um, in the previous episode, we got to see, you know, Chief's message about, exactly. about that. Like, that was heavy-handed in a completely different way, I think, because it was two soldiers, right? And they're, it, yeah, and they're he was programmed a, to be like, yes, this is great. Yeah, he was addressing it is his army. another thing to see someone who is the, I guess, public face of the Empire at this point being like, everything is great the empire is here to help you in a way like to this really like put on mm-hmm. pleasance that he has about just like this kind of dastardly horrible thing that they're up to which is like identifying people based on numbers like yeah you know cataloging mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. with no it's it's a really it's a new way of seeing propaganda that we don't previously see um, uh, and and again i love that they it start they introduce this character in a really interesting way because he does you know he does come back but it, it's back to the conversation that we were having previously of dropping these little breadcrumbs yeah, this is another one of those big this is, little breadcrumbs that you're like oh i love this way right too which is like as the public is seeing it so our mm-hmm. first inclination of him is like what the public understands him to be mm-hmm. and then you know and then we get details later and i love that you know we get to recognize him then later. he becomes our primary villain yeah um okay so we kind of covered this whole. Um, Should we just scoot on, scoot on past? Well, I want to talk about um, the conversation that happens uh, after this Nexu attack on Omega and Hunter, sort of. Yeah. Um, treating okay, her the, like the big cat that yeah. comes, <laughs> uh, and um, Hunter sort of treating her like another soldier, and then realizing, oh no, I can't do that. Um, after that, he has a conversation with Cut again about. Um, when you guys go off world, we want you to take Omega with you because clearly you're a family and you know how what you're doing. And cut. I, he doesn't say no, I won't. Like, but he's like, are you sure this is what you want? Yeah. And Hunter, I think, on on the heels of Omega, uh, of this interaction with her where he yells at her um, because he's a, he was scared that she was gonna get hurt. Um, he he kind of is like, oh, I'm not cut out for this, and I I do want the best for her. Um, and that's not to be with us. Uh, so can you take her? Um, I like that he defaults kind of back to what he knows, which is like being like, well, it's not what I want, but it's what needs to happen. And like he, you know, he's like essentially suffered a defeat in this interaction. Right. And he's not perhaps the most like socially adjusted person. Right. So like, I I like that his default is like oh well i'm just clearly not cut out for this like crosshair said right Mm -hmm. and like so i'm just gonna you know i need to do what's best for her which is Mm -hmm. a very sweet sentiment but it's like so she doesn't she can't be a part of us anymore right yeah um it's i I don't know i love that we are getting shown you know like doubt and and hurt but like again the hunter's sort of like dutiful nature um i want to talk about that conversation with the immediate context after that scene of Omega, um, she's she's having a moment to herself in the ship. She's crying a little bit, and she takes her little head headdress head jewelry, jewelry yeah. uh, off and looks at it. And I I don't know that I have like a complete idea of this, but it's sort of like she's is she missing home? Is she kind of thinking like like Hunter has said? that maybe she doesn't belong with the group is she shedding her Kaminoan identity yeah. what do you what are your thoughts on that this? that was sort of uh my thought in that in like whatever i watch this it always seems like 
despite it all it's like okay but like we're past that now like I that is no longer a part of my life it's no longer a part of my identity like I shed this part of me um it's interesting where they've put it right in the story because it does seem like it would be something that is a, a reflex right after the encounter she just had and the conversation with hunter you know uh or kind of the altercation mm -hmm. with hunter like why is it there i mean to me what it, it points to <laughs> yeah i think my first inclination was that it was a um, i'm shedding my identity but now that i think about it it, it might be a i'm missing home yeah I'm, or at least or i'm missing what once was yeah there there's something maybe where, like, i don't maybe this isn't here. maybe this isn't as easy or as great as i as i chalked it up to be yeah right? um which i thought was a really that uh, that moment is really well juxtaposed with the previous conversation that hunter has because you're it, it's it's building a little bit of emotional intrigue here like oh what's what's ha going to happen is she gonna leave is she want to go back to camino yeah there's a there's i like that we are taking moments to have we're taking time to have quiet moments mm -hmm. uh and i do really like that you know we see people being emotional and people struggling clearly um and i like that we are Im immediately given a fun and funky scene after like mm -hmm. it, it does again in this episode just obviously in like a shorter format that same thing where we're switching like uh levels i guess like uh pacing right you know it's a it's a slower moment it's a sad moment it's supposed to be emotional and then we get to get thrown into echo and tech trying to solve a problem it is emotional too i want to i want to talk about that for a second yeah. it is emotional and they i don't think they they don't it's not like they under it's not undercut though no. but, it is just yeah. that like okay that moment had its moment and it's over now and now we're moving on to the the plot of the of the episode which is getting cut and sue and their children the chain comes that they need to get off world yeah that's a great uh point because i feel like i have that that beef with like a lot of properties now a lot of media now that's like kind of these um you know blockbuster ips um stuff like star wars and marvel and dc right is that this concept of like we can't have a serious moment we have to undercut it with humor we can't commit to mm -hmm. emotion uh and i do really like that i don't think that ever really happens in this show it's no. not I would probably argue that happens more in Clone Wars, though I can't think of a specific example. I think it probably happens more in the um, early seasons. Of yeah, it. exactly. I think once they get rolling and they kind of figure out what they're about, it's yeah, like they have their they own do sort of have rapport. really good emotional moments that are yeah. not under. Oh, season seven is like a masterpiece, and I'm I'm definitely not talking about that. But like no, but even even before season seven, yeah, they they've hit their stride essentially, yeah. right? So I like that. Um, Bad Batch doesn't do that thing where they're like undercutting serious moments. It's just kind of like we, mm -hmm. you know, we drift on by that moment as anyone would, right? And mm -hmm. we get, you know, then a, a faster pace. The, yeah, the next moment isn't just like a, a forced humor. It's not com comedic no, it's relief. It's fun. we're moving into the next part of yeah, the plot. Of we this have episode, to continue going, <laughs> which is Tech and Echo coming up with this insane plan. I frankly to, to get their ship. Uh, impounded so that they can get access to these yeah. chain codes. So I love when we have these like breakout into groups moments in this show because again we get to characterize people a little bit more and mm -hmm. I do like that we get a lot more of Echo specifically in this uh, and that Echo has like big big mom vibes. 
Um, big as, responsible boy as, vibes. As soon as this episode opened, I was just like, it's Hunter and Echo. It's mo- it's dad and mom. <laughs> <laughs> they are the de facto parents, but just because Echo's so sad and the responsible. Amount of, the amount of times that Echo has a concerned mom look on his face He's great. is so good. I anyway. love him. Um, but I like, yeah, so we, I, I love this pairing of Tech, who is the sort of brainiac, but with wild ideas, and Echo, who's like pretty pragmatic, like coming up with a crazy idea and Echo being like, this is a crazy idea. And then he's like, yeah, whatever. It's okay. Let's do it. Um, With the added caveat that somehow they don't realize Echo is Echo. Omega is on their ship uh, still, which I think is again, like I like that we've gone from like an emotional moment to sort of a a faster paced, like interesting uh, character rapport that we haven't seen before to a a funny moment of Omega being like, oh, hey, I think your plan is great. And they're like, no shit. (laughs) And they're like, oh, no, we've already gotten the ship towed and she's here. So then we get thrown into an actual sort of action sequence, I would say. There, yes. There's very quickly unfolding events where they get their ship impounded. They're trying to figure out where the chain codes are and, like, the appropriate things they need to, like, reprogram with them. They're trying to get their ship unimpounded so they can leave. And they're trying to get those things to cut and sue in their family. As all the rest of them are in line. Yes. Um, there's, like, I, I like that they've created in the back half of this episode, like, a, a ticking clock plot line, mm-hmm. right? Where it's, like, okay, Cut and Sue and their family, they need the chain codes. You know, the troopers can't see that Cut's face because they'll know he's a clone and then he'll be arrested. Like, that's why he grew mutton chops. That's why he grew mutton chops, of course. Um, no one will see me through my mutton chops. <laughs> and my big hat. You know um, what they say? Mutton chops are the windows to the soul. <laughs> <laughs> if eyes are the windows to the soul, mutton chops are the fucking curtains horrifying <laughs> a horrifying <laughs> thought especially because his mutton chops go like out and away from his face like he's like a little dog like, what, is, what is his hair texture I don't know. anyway it's very gelled um <laughs> but yeah so i like that they create this sort of um anticipation mm-hmm. with sort of like you know we have a, a timeline that we're working on and everything keeps getting fucked up like mm-hmm. uh it is just fun i like that we've had a lot of character moments a lot of sweet moments a lot of moments to think on and then we still get sort of the tried and true star wars animated everything's going to shit we have to fix it's it suspenseful what's gonna happen suspenseful is the word i was looking you for. have all these um Obviously, Hunter has talked to Cut and been like, oh, I want you to take Omega. He hasn't broken this news to Omega. Or literally anyone else. Um, He's just decided this unilaterally. Yeah. Um, but you see all those sort of threads that they've put in this episode yeah. starting to come together. Starting to weave together. But I, I don't know if you want to talk about anything in detail in those scenes. I, I feel like I maybe don't at the moment because I, it's more like... a. I have bigger things to say at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have anything that you want to talk about in these scenes? Um, Suspenseful scenes. Scomp in. Yeah, I love that they've um, come up with their own word for like, stick your USB arm in this hole. I love I love the terms that Star Wars comes up with. I mean, we talked about this when we were watching the episode, but the whole um, in the... Uh, in Mandalorian... Well, Mandalorian, they use they use dank ferric and they say the word skank. They say the word skank, which like co- a swear. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, you guys, that already means something. That already has a meaning that has outside a, of Star Wars. That has a real world meaning, and it's not good. I don't think it's, it's the meaning good. that you mean for it to mean in Star Wars. Um, that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I I like this word scomp. Again, it's another kind of like world little world building thing that we've seen Star Wars do before, and it's 
it really is just kind of hitting it's it's star wars stride it's it's sort of goofy uh stride yeah that i enjoy i i will say for these sort of series of scenes that happen very quickly here at the back half of the episode i do really like that we get to see um the batch in action in a context where they are unfamiliar like they're they're trying to be civilians Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going all right, I guess, but of course they, you know, it breaks out into a firefight because they're not like subtle. They're um, not. E- they're not espionage forward. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, they're big soldier forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's always fun. Like I think they manufacture these scenes in a way that feel very like a uh, bantery that we've seen. You know, obviously in Clone Wars, which is I feel like known for its banter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a I don't know. It's just a good time. Mm-hmm. We get so much in a 23 minute episode we we really do it's it's incredibly well paced and not a moment is wasted um okay the other two plot points that i have here are um hunter and omega they have finally have a conversation so she gets away with the chain codes and runs to uh hunter and the low queens just in time uh and that's when hunter drops the news on her that you're gonna go with them um and it's like a very sad painful moment uh, because she, she, I think she so desperately wants to, to make Hunter happy. And, and she knows that like this life is dangerous for her. Like she's kind of witnessed that firsthand, um, with the, uh, Nexu. Um, and so she, it, it, I think part of her is he's right. Um, but then obviously right when they're, I think Hunter releases her to go with the Queens and then he goes back to try to clean up the mess that the rest of the batch has gotten themselves into, <laughs> Uh, vis-a-vis the firefight that's broken out yeah uh and she comes she comes running back um and i want i i I like the idea that like i think at any point cut could have been like no you need to stay with us like it is dangerous for you but i think he kind of recognized that like omega's presence is probably something that hunter really needs and i think i think cut kind of understands his that he has a an underlying nurturing nature and um this is good for him and for yeah. them in their new endeavors post uh, Republic. Yeah. That's a great point. That's another thing that I guess I didn't really think about, but I, I, I love that. Like when Hunter tells Omega this, she's like, I chose to leave with you. Like she's really like committed. All, she's confused obviously, but she's committed to the idea that this is where <laughs> she's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I like, I like the genuine reactions to things. Can you expand on she's confused? Um, she's literally just like, "Hey, why?" Oh, I see. Okay, that sort of confused. <laughs> Do you, like, you want to go? With, you want me to go with who? <laughs> what? Come again? Um, I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's confused because her cool guy that she likes a lot is like, "No, you're yeah. gonna stay here," and she's just like, "I no." Um, I think uh, also based on the conversation that they have at the very end of this episode, she interprets that as Hunter... Like she messed up. Not me- She messed up and he doesn't want her anymore. Yeah, I, I think we can obviously talk about that in a second. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's so... I love that they included that. I love... Because I feel like, you know, I, it's... I almost said as someone who used to be a child. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong, but it's a dumb thing to say. <laughs> As someone who also used to be a child, I understand. I guess what I meant is that, like, as someone who who does a lot of the fun self blame game, like I I appreciate that they included that thought. I feel like it's a very natural thought to come to as any you know age person, but especially as a child, where it's like, well, you're doing this because I messed up, and like I'm and I'm sorry. It's like, I don't know. It's just it feels very humanizing in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I guess we can't just skip on ahead to like she does. She does she, straight up leave the Laquains. I Yeah, and, I guess and, she's allowed. <laughs> well, obviously they could have stopped her, but I think cut. She's uh, like ten. <laughs> they just turn around. They're like, where? Where? Oh, uh, they're like, God, oh, shit, man. Um, yeah. So then they they make it back onto the Marauder and they safely fly away um, while they're being shot out a lot. <laughs> Uh, but then um, Hunter and Omega have this ending conversation about staying together, and um, I should have written it down. But it's I... okay. I mean, my comment it, it is essentially like Hunter apologizing, correct? And then Omega being like, "Well, actually, I think she's like, I'm sorry that I messed up." She's the one to approach him and say, "Yeah, which I, is, I'm sorry I messed up, but I want to be here, and yeah. I will. I'll do basically. I'll do whatever to." stay with you guys you're my family at which point my comment when we were watching the episode was wow she has a lot of emotional understanding probably more than the rest of them well Um, and we've had this conversation before but this specific conversation is interesting when you look at it Uh, right now we're looking at it through the eyes of hunter being the adult and knowing more than her and all this stuff but in lieu of the season finale of this first season we can look at it in a different way which we can get into later yep Uh, but um yeah, it's just, it's nice to see their characters and like, obviously, you know, that that changes over time and it's a fun conversation to look back on because I, I, I don't know, I just think Omega continues to show like these really interesting complex sides to herself of like being a child still and like having the sense of wonder, but still being like weirdly responsible. Um, I think this was under characters, which is conveniently our next um, topic, topic point. Um, but she... I like this. I like this comparison with uh, when she. I like the line that she says, "I left Camino with you," because it totally harkens back to Crosshair not leaving Camino with them. Uh, and this, like, I, I think in, in Hunter's POV, it's probably like, you know what? Yeah, she. I guess she could have had a choice. Like Crosshair had a choice to not yeah. be with I, us, and so I should. I should honor that power of choice that she has yeah and like obviously connecting to the themes that we talk about like it is really interesting that like again like it's it's all about choice this entire episode is is chock-a-block full of that right mm-hmm. and like it, it's nice that we get to see someone a making the choice to have this conversation because both of them very much could have left it it seems like potentially hunter would have just left it he's new with this he's, he's trying. trying but it's easier to not apparently um but I, I like that they are having this conversation it's like four lines it's super quick but it has a lot of impact and i really you know obviously appreciate that this show is very punchy and pithy in its conversations we talked about that last episode with the the conversation between omega and crosshair oh, and the, yeah absolutely in the pre- in the prison it's fucking killer anyway shall we jump into our next topic that we wanted to talk about which now that we've covered the plot of the episode um is the just the diving into the individual characters and just extra thoughts about them yeah we don't have to get super into this because we talked about it a lot we have um, um but one thing i wanted to bring let's yeah. start with omega one thing that i wanted to bring up with her is the character aesthetics uh meaning yeah. um she is a child <laughs> yes she is <laughs> and i just she's a child and uh we've we've previously compared her to ahsoka who is also a child uh albeit a little older um but just the child aesthetics that they have both of them as are so different yeah, and I, it's another telling to me it's it's telling to me that this show has grown up a lot too in that they portray her like she looks like she's 12 like she she looks like she's 12 yeah, like she 10 to 12. she has like more of like a um like i don't know yeah she is like a kid a kid's body she's a, a kid's child face. she's yeah whereas 
we've talked about this time and again with Ahsoka, but how how weird it is where at the very beginning of Clone Wars, where she's supposed to be like eleven to thirteen, that she's you is know, she really that young? I'm pretty sure because she's like when that show ends, she's probably like fifteen. Okay, I think she might be slightly older in yeah. season seven. Uh, you know, Clone Wars are like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, she's so young and and she dresses the way that she does. Or they chose they, to dress a child. They chose to yeah. model and design a child to dress. Like yeah, this that. is exactly what I wanted to talk about because I, I really appreciate the outfits that the outfit that um Omega has because it's just like it's just like all purpose clothes. Yeah, and it's it doesn't simple, look. It's basic. It's, it's what a child. Would it wear. is no in no way sexualized. It is in no way impractical it, it's just it's something you would wear i mean it's, we've had this conversation too about like the end of uncharted 4 with uh cassie and she just looks oh, yeah. like how we looked when we were like 12 yeah. or 13 like totally like yeah it, it's nice to see relatable portrayals of children that feel like they're actually like they're people, actually, they're actually children yeah yeah which is i i didn't even think about that i i thought um, i saw that you said on our document character aesthetics and i'm like what could that possibly mean <laughs> well that's what it means no, and I know this is sort of a tangent, but I, I do want to talk about the choice that the animators made. I guess, would it be the animators or like... What are you talking about? The choice that the crew of Clone Wars made to have Ahsoka be dressed in that way. Because there's... A, Des- designers, Yeah, there's nothing like objectively wrong with the pieces of clothing that she has on. But the fact that like she is not a grown woman, she is not... She doesn't have autonomy in that, presumably. She doesn't have autonomy in it. She like it's not like that's how Tagruda's dress. Like we see them elsewhere. They no, don't like Shakti dress wears like, like a dress, a floor length dress. Yeah, but even non Jedi affiliated Tagrudas we see, they aren't dressed like this. Um, and I I really dislike putting a young female child in a a getup like this because again, it's not that oh, I don't think anyone should show shoulders or anything. Like, if she was a fully... Uh, if she was fully an adult and she she was owning her sexuality in that, I, absolutely, that's great. I love a character who owns her sexuality. She's a child, though. This is a child. I would say they... The adult Tagruta that we see, they, they maybe kind of dress like that. I'm looking at reference images oh, okay. right now. But not like... Not it's they're not wearing like tube tops. They're just wearing things that have like midriffs. Yeah, um, again, but, but is, she's fully in a tube top. Yeah, and a, all of and a those people skirt. are like fully adults. Yeah. Um, also that. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it was a a really weird choice, I suppose. And it is again, a, 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 whether or not that was in, intentional or not intentional, though I do kind of like. Well, it's kind of the scary thing of like it probably wasn't intentional. Yeah, but, but it, it came of the out way the way that, that it is. Well, because of the way that society is, no one saw a problem with that, you know? Yeah, until, you know, yeah. uh, again, so, uh, you know, to your point, I like that we have something different now. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know, like, obviously, this is a really totally different show than Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but it is nice that we get to see just like people being people and in that a child being a child. Her aesthetics being very child also put like a huge child code that's what i was gonna say (laughs) i mean you're not wrong i guess they put a huge divide between this like idea of the soldiers that the bad batch sees himself as and her right yeah no which is completely part of the the character design wise which like again we can get into this when i get into (laughs) my get into my lovely design shit but like the character design wise they created them to be so beautifully different and complimentary Mm -hmm. and i really like that yes 
Anyway, that's all I had to say about that. Yeah. The next question I have here, which I don't remember what I was going to talk about, is what does this episode establish about Omega by herself and as part of the group? I don't know if... I don't remember what I was going to talk about there. I... Do you have thoughts? <laughs> I don't either. I feel like... I feel like we've established a, a lot of this mm-hmm. in what we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that being said, again, I, I think we just get to see more of Omega being herself, which is lovely and nice and like not in necessarily horrible situations. Yeah. Um, and I think most of the purpose of this episode is to create a, a bigger relationship draw between Hunter and Omega. Which, yeah. Which, which sort of works into that like, uh, trinity of characters between oh yeah hunter and crosshair and omega right yeah. like the, in, in a what, lot of <laughs> what did i write it down as the the foil oh, triumvirate the foil triumvirate yeah um which i guess omega is not totally a foil per se but anyway um <laughs> again she's sort of like the de facto replacement of crosshair at, at the moment right in that she's just the the other member they lost a member they gained a member yeah um and so she's um a lot of her choices in this episode, I think, reflect back on, on Crosshair very indirectly, but uh, a keen yeah. eye will see the way that they're setting these two up together. Presumably our keen eyes, mm-hmm. but... Um, so that being said, I guess we have, you know, the same question for Hunter. Mm-hmm. I, I, Again, I most of this episode is characterization for him and his arc and his, you know, story that we're going to see progress. Um it's just nice to it's just nice to see i don't know it's nice that we get a a softness pretty early on uh it's nice that it feels like we're gonna get more of these like learning curves and like processes it's nice to see that like the start of an arc essentially and sort of the promise of more to come with hunter Mm -hmm. i agree i think we can probably a glance over the other ones we we as we talked about we get a little bit of echo we get uh, less of tech and record but that does obviously change in coming episodes we get a little more interaction between tech and echo i think previously it was it was tech and record sort of lumped into one yeah um category i suppose um so we get a little more of like tech and echo interacting which i i love i think they're a really good duo yeah i do too and again i'm i'm excited to to see more of them in the future mm-hmm. um Okay, we've... Do we want to touch on themes? Yeah. Okay. Um, so of our themes that we've laid out that are just sort of general Star Wars themes, uh, I, I think that the power of choice, the concept of choice, and the sort of the found family aspect of it um, are two of the, mo- the stronger ones in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I think a lot of like our conversation around themes in Star Wars when it comes to Bad Batch, it, it's about... Um, how does Bad Batch sort of take those and flip them on their head mm-hmm. per what we've seen in Star Wars previously? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the previous episode was really heavy in that power of choice. Yeah. Uh, both with the sort of morality that the Empire is um, bringing into question as well as the choice to stay with one's family. Who are you going to be loyal to? Yeah. The Empire or your, yeah. or your crew of boys. And I like that... <laughs> <laughs> I like that we get almost like a, a mimicked theme in this where mm-hmm. it's like uh in a way right Hunter takes away Omega's power of choice uh for for a moment right in this episode right because he's like well you're gonna go with Cut and Sue and and because it's what's good for you right mm-hmm. we're not good for you mm-hmm. but I like that um o- Omega still like has autonomy in this story and she is still able to make choices and like 
in having a conversation between the two of them at the end they both make a choice right like i said to have that conversation to to further their relationship and like smooth things over um it's interesting to see that we kind of had like in the previous episode these like do or die situations where it's like yes of course you have a choice even in the face of like this great evil and in this it's like you know uh, people still retain their power of choice despite Mm -hmm. you know circumstance I, I appreciate her as a heroine too, having that she, it's a choice that she makes all on her own. She's not, we don't see her being influenced by Cut or Sue. She makes the choice that, like, no, I want, I choose you guys. You are my family. And I choose that to go with you. I left, I chose, I, I chose to leave Camino with you and I'm going to stay with you, which obviously we talked about mimics sort of crosshairs. Opposite choice. Yeah. I mean, obviously there is kind of like, in a way, this concept of destinies in that we talked about in the last episode where it's like a very much um, uh, a different turn of like how to take the concept of de- destinies, the the sort of theme of destinies, whereas like in Star Wars, it's been very like you are the chosen one. You don't have any say in your destiny. Right. But I like that, um, you know, this as we talked about, this whole episode is just Hunter um, learning and he's, you know. Uh, shirking off what used to be his purpose, his entire purpose in his life, and he's choosing like a new path and like a new purpose. I I also like the the sort of mentor mentee relationships theme in Star Wars, um, uh, as it as it applies to this as well, where. I think a lot of the times we have this like master Padawan. Uh, yeah, I was um, gonna say it's like baked in. It's baked in, and it's also um we 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 kind of see, just a pre a pre a pre-baked sort of <laughs> sort of master <laughs> character coming up, right? And then we see the Padawan. This is sort of like we, we are getting to understand how someone becomes a mentor as well as how someone uh, becomes a mentee, how yeah. someone learns from other people. It's nice to like see almost like a natural progression of like how people are people versus mm-hmm. like, well, this is the you know the structure that we find ourselves in we all have mentors and we all yeah rather than characters who are already very strong in their archetype um we see people becoming archetypes exactly like even i think we obviously see obi-wan in in episode one uh of phantom menace the prequels yes phantom menace uh and he is the the mentee um and then we do see him becoming a mentor, but we don't see the process of that. No, We're we just don't. introduced just... immediately to them both as now this is the new master. Yeah, and it's this just is the switched. new Padawan. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's the process. I, I appreciate seeing that process. Yeah. I think it lends itself to a good vulnerable character. And I appreciate that that vulnerable character is a man. Um, yeah, that is like a, a really, it's a refreshing, mm-hmm. especially with like obviously a show that's really like male centered. It doesn't a it does not feel like it's really a, a man heavy cast in a weird way, but like it it is, but it doesn't seem like that. I think because they're telling these universal human stories. Yeah, and I like that we're we're not excluding emotionality from these things, and we're not excluding like struggle from them. And like, yeah, and we get to see someone getting softened essentially. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, let's just uh, transition to. Um does other thoughts can, which includes can julia's I, design corner can i can i talk go for about it. all the shit that just rattle around in my brain when i watch these episodes talk about it. so design um i love as we talked about getting to see legacy characters specifically from a different show now in this show because we get to see how the fucking models have changed um 
I love Clone Wars to death, but early Clone Wars looks insane because of the era it came out in. And like we just watched the uh, deserter episode where Cut and Sue and, you know, their kids are uh, yesterday, I think. Right. And kids that are completely look. I mean, the younger one, Jack, looks like maybe more the same, but I'm pretty sure Shea looks completely different, like in the color she is and everything. Um, to be fair, again, I like that they look like kids. Like they used to look, as I described them, kind of like eggs. Um, <laughs> does early they Clone looked, Wars style? I mean, they're not human, but they looked very like in, they looked like very inhuman. There was extremely uncanny. Yeah, despite the fact that Clone Wars was so stylized, it was like that blocky, chunky thing. Mm-hmm. Early Clone Wars was like weirdly uncanny in that. So I really like seeing these legacy characters in a new show where like the style of Bad Batch is the same like it's stylized but like it's a lot less severe Mm -hmm. um less blocky obviously um it's kind of like a really good marriage of like right in Rebels they made everything very round and in Clone Wars everything was very blocky I like Mm -hmm. that we've kind of created the middle and also because animation has progressed so much in the Mm -hmm. last year like we get we get the middle plus Mm -hmm. like better lighting and better like (laughs) effects right so like the more detailed I, I literally was like writing stuff down I love that like and I can't remember if we get one in this. I think we must. Like any sort of like super exterior wide shot, like a lot of times they look super painted. I love that they chose to do that. Like very old school animation where they would paint all their backgrounds by hand. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love seeing that shit. The it, lighting is incredible. It adds <laughs> such a charm to things. It is. And I feel like over and over when I talk about the show and the design of the show, it's charming. It's just charming. Like, and it lends so much to like, the feel of the show and how like weirdly lifelike things look like I I was talking about you know the town earlier and the world building and stuff I love that like there are believable textures on things signs look worn and old and like (laughs) weathered in a way that like (laughs) I kind of made mention of this when we were watching the episode but like sort of 2009 era video games where they were like really into texturing things but like everything looked kind of like a popcorn ceiling Mm -hmm. um and the lighting was weird um not it's like the you know we've grown so much since then and that's kind of like what clone wars looked like a little bit it's like everything's super like nasty textured you really don't realize shiny you really (laughs) don't realize it until you go back and watch clone wars episodes after watching these bad batch episodes because you're like oh my god like i don't remember this that show being like not good looking and it's not but like it's just like the time period you compare it to these episodes which are so striking and beautiful and charming yeah it's Um, it's just i literally said lighting and fx are chef's kiss um like you know when they step out of the marauder and we have this like light streaming in from outside there's like little dust particle fx and i love like omega stepping into the sunlight right like that's a great part and it's beautifully executed even when they start when they begin the episode in the marauder like they're just something about the lighting is so good from the like i don't know the lighting i, I don't have the words for it but the lighting from space just looks very realistic yeah and, like, it's um it, it feels cold it feels like you know it, it it really puts forward a an accurate feeling of what it would be like to be on a spaceship it, it, as much as i can tell who me who's never been on a spaceship before <laughs> So there's this thing, I don't necessarily know if this is the right term, but this is kind of a term that I like to think of that's, it's ambient occlusion, which Mm -hmm. is just like a type of lighting you can do in 3D modeling, I I think, or it's like how the, they sample 
you know, the surfaces of things in order to determine the lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe previously, like in the 2008-2009 Amber era, ambient occlusion wasn't like obviously as as good as, as it is now or it wasn't there, mm-hmm. which I think is why everything has really severe lighting. It'll be really dark and really bright mm-hmm. and like weirdly shiny. Um that's always my critique of things. Just like, thinking of Dragon Age now. so shiny. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, compare Dragon Age Origins, which everything looks like fucking popcorn ceiling. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why it looks like that. And then in- Inquisition, which looks fairly all right. Yeah. Um, except that everyone's very except bright and shiny. Everyone is so shiny. <laughs> we love when they're shiny. Um, but yeah, no, I think... Just like the lighting effects. Like, I love that there are neon signs in the town. It's one of my favorite so things about Star Wars. I love the way that it looks. I love that things are textured, but in a way that feels appropriate. Um, this is just a beautiful show. Things get more beautiful as they go on. I love that we got to see a grungy town look appropriately grungy, and I, I appreciate it. it. It's very good. Okay, I think that's all I wanted to, like, sort of word barf okay. about in design land. No, it's very land. good. <laughs> uh... We kind of already talked about this, but I, I just wanted to say again that this episode is extremely well balanced. I would say masterfully balanced and paced. Yeah. And there's I, not a moment in this episode that I'm like that doesn't I'm bored. Exactly. <laughs> and I love that, like, you know, per what we talked about earlier, um, in in the concept of filler, right? Like I feel like there are filler parts to episodes or there are filler episodes, and I feel like this one could could feel superfluous in a lot of places, but, like, literally everything feels so important. I think if they, if they hadn't have been so masterful about the pacing and the balance and the little Conversations and such. Uh, that it could have been easily stepped into that filler role, but it so wasn't, like... It's, it's so, again, it's a nice contrast from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. It, it sets things up in a really, really um, sneaky, like well thought out way it feels very organic and yeah. very natural the way that things come up yeah and even uh and i have this written down but like even in how they've started to introduce us more and more to members of the bad batch like i feel like obviously we get it now and again and we've gotten it kind of in the clone Wars season seven episodes and we kind of got it in the last episode but they obviously um focused a lot on hunter and omega and crosshair but you know now we get little moments with tech and with echo and like they're doing these things they're like graduating us into the concepts of like an ensemble cast whereas like mm-hmm. i can think of other properties that have really bad ways to balance that i.e i would say the first suicide squad movie um, so bad. where it's like you have 20 characters and you have no idea how to handle this many characters and then all of a sudden they're all friends and you're like and then when people, did that happen and then people die like that that movie is horribly paced but it's like you know there are bad ways to handle ensembles of characters and like crews and like this is such a fun organic way that understands that it has time to do this and mm-hmm. doesn't force it on us y- you said this previously but the idea of omega being our proxy too like it's like she's getting to know the members of the bad batch at the same pace that we are yeah. not in the same way but the same pace but even in the fact that like she is there when tech and echo are having that conversation which is like kind of the first time that we get to see them in context to each other like she's mm-hmm. there she's our proxy we're yeah. also seeing this for the yeah. first time and it's like it's so clever in the ways that it's introducing us to the world and its concepts like through omega mm-hmm. all right um do we want to wrap up with where we think where we think that <laughs> it's going uh well a little story just a little recap and uh i honestly do not remember what the next episode is this episode really focused on Hunter's role in this group and his relationship with Omega. Um, I think 
in the next episode we're going to see the batch interacting more within themselves yeah and we and we get to i believe continue to see growing relationships between hunter and omega yes you know as we've stated a couple of times like we're we're getting thrown breadcrumbs from birds (laughs) we are we are but we are but birds on feloni's park bench (laughs) dave please um they're dropping rather breadcrumbs for us the audience um of you know places that we're probably going to go going forward we still have a lot of questions about the inhibitor chip you know now we know that rex is still a player um and and that he's floating around somewhere i i like that we're sort of like you know obviously to me at the end of this episode that's where we're going um and you know i'm excited to see how we get there absolutely That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be publishing episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so join us next time for episode three, Replacements. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes, and also Instagram and Twitter at TheBatchPod. So if you like story, and you like Star Wars, then tune in for the next episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. Bye! Bye.